0: Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Today, we're going to take a tour of the Dunbar Pavilion with Debbie Chess Maybe. She is the Community Impact Fellow for the UA School of Social and Behavioral Science focused on development of the Dunbar Pavilion. The Dunbar School was the first and only segregated school in Tucson established in 1912. The school was completed in January 1918 for the purpose of educating Tucson's African-American students and named after Paul Lawrence Dunbar, a renowned African-American poet. The Dunbar Coalition Incorporated purchased the building from Tucson Unified School District in 1995 with a goal of renovating the school and converting it into an African-American museum and cultural center. The Dunbar Pavilion is striving to become recognized as a beacon for social and cultural enlightenment, educating, preserving, and celebrating the rich history and culture of people of African descent, while stimulating community collaboration that captures and continues that legacy. Here is Debbie Chess
1: So the Dunbar School. It was actually established in 1918, so we're. this is our centennial year of celebration. Um, what we're going to visit is two separate buildings. To the north, right here, is the original building that was built in 1918, which every African-American child, every black child, in Tucson from the first grade to the ninth grade between 1918 and 1954 when the desegregation order, or maybe it was 1952, when the desegregation order came down from Arizona, went to that structure that we'll see over there. And so it has uh, this huge historic significance, as, as you know. Um, this side, the John Spring Junior High School that we're standing in now, was built in 1972. Um, and it was built to accommodate a shifting demographic, given the desegregation order. Um, and so what really happened under that desegregation order is that um, Latinos, uh, Mexican-Americans, were actually able, in the census, were able to classify themselves as white. And so, Latino students and black students were really the students that occupied, mainly occupied that school, and that was called desegregation. And so, that's how that happened. So actually, let's go over to the original side first, and then we'll end up over here. So here we are. This is the structure that talking about now. Of course, over the years, over a 100 years, it's been added on to uh, and um, some improvements have been made, but um, the classrooms still need to be built out. This is the space that housed, that was the school. Again, it was added on to a little bit um, over the years. This is one of the original classrooms here. And so what we're looking at on this side is building up these spaces, um, whether they be for artist studios, whether they be for nonprofits, whether they be, um, but these are classrooms that can be. Yeah. And so over the years, back when, Tucson was approving bonds and bond money. Quite a bit of bond money went into preserving this space. So, like the roof got repaired, and some of the bathrooms got built out. But these classroom spaces were left. That's that's like the next phase of um, development in this side of the building. And so there's a basement in this room in this side of the building. I think there are a total of nine classroom spaces because there's a basement down that has classroom spaces down here and then you'll see the classrooms up here. Uh, that side over here, the space that when we first walked in that you saw all built was to be um, an African American Museum um, Research Center. This space right here um, it was designated to this space. But you know like when you walk into spaces like these and you realize you, you feel the souls of the folks that were here, and I mean it's clearly a school. Look at this amazing! I just love the tile and the light fixtures that they um, that they've replicated um, have done you know accurate re- re- reproductions of the light fixtures, and it's just an incredible testament to what it, what you did to get educated. I guess you could say you know like like this space was. Um, was sacred. Let everyone know what's out back, too. We'll yes. And time. so there is a community garden, there is a basketball court, and there's a playground. I mean, this was a school. And so we'll walk over that way, and you'll see it still has all of the elements of playground. And school. there's a, a commercial kitchen that is associated with that side, but there was food service over on this side um, as well, but that's gone now um we'll walk let me show you my favorite my absolute favorite room in this building and it actually has the science teachers room and uh the reason it's my favorite room is because when you walk into it well i don't like you 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 decide how you feel as you can see in some of these classes there's the original doors there's this thing, the little, you know, um, cubbies for the kids, that type of thing. The, the, that's access to um, outside through that way, and then there's access to the basement and outside this way. But this room, this is the original piano the music teacher. And so you see the cubbies. But this room, so the teacher that occupied this room, it was his space, he was the science teacher and he was like the most strict but loving and fair teacher. And when I hear that story, you know, um, segregation one of the of course in it, at its core it was horrendous right I mean but when you think about um, in a segregated school where all your teachers every adult in your life everybody in your life their goal was to make sure that you could transcend all of that that was happening in the outer world, and they loved you, and they knew you, and they knew your family, and um, all the stories that I've heard about the teacher that occupied that room is a direct reflection of how I grew up in a family in a in a black family that knew that um, we had to love each other because the outside world wasn't always as loving, and so that's part of why this is my. Um, Favorite room. So here we are. Yeah, that's interesting, huh? I mean, in some in some circles, um, some black folks will say the worst thing to happen to the black community is desegregation. So there's this. But the goal, the overall goal of the Denmark Pavilion is to reverse those effects of segregation, to reverse that um, the only way that all of us succeed is that if we separate ourselves and um, focus on, hyper focus on us as, you know, whatever community that you identify in a, in a segregated way. So, this physical representation of segregation, the goal for us is to reverse the effects of that, and to make this an open and inclusive place for everybody and for everything to, you know, to thrive in this community and in Tucson. And and I believe, I'm I'm not 100% sure, but I believe this space is the last physical representation or manifestation of segregation in our community in terms of black spaces that were, that people were, you know, um, mandated, legally mandated to attend. And of course we have our black churches and we have our black social clubs, Um, but this physical building is the most, um, as far as I know, the most physical representation of that, that ideology. So that is also why it's so important that it, not, it remains standing, but not in a way that shames us or freezes us, but as a um, testament to what can happen when um, we take a stand, when we decide that that's not, that, that that's not who and what we are as a community, and that we have the power to, to change that. Um, not tearing it down and building something new, um, but keeping it standing, because that in itself is an act of resiliency. So this is the basement to go down. You can see that there are classrooms here. And then this is, you can see there's the old water fountain. I love that little, (laughs) that thing. I hope we never get rid of that. We figure <laughs> out a way to make that work again. Um, so the water fountain. And then, so the plans, part of the plans and development of this space is to dredge this out and turn this into an outdoor amphitheater um, space and also create more accessibility to those classrooms down there, make sure light gets in there and and that it, it's more open. Um, I would like to see these this fence come down this is our playground and our basketball court like i said a lot of times when i do tours sometimes people don't want to come over they're like oh yeah i know what a playground looks like i know it but i love coming over here and especially going to the garden we're working with the university of arizona school and community garden project and the dunbar neighborhood association to Be even more purposeful about the garden and what we plant there so much like um, Mission Gardens has a heritage garden that kind of tracks food pathways of indigenous folks we want to do the same thing about the African American community Um, what what seeds what what growing techniques what what ways of feeding ourselves that were um, true to our traditions true to our heritage but here in the southwest so creating working with them the garden project at the U of A to create that. We're trying to get an intern and um, we've got a grant from Solar Commons to um, improve our solar system that's on the roof of the John Springs School, but also create a rain harvesting project program. That will um, help feed the garden, and then also do some planting around the outside of the building. That have, we have more um, native plants and, and sustainable plants, and that type of thing. So we've got we're, we've got our neighborhood, our neighbors Brad Lancaster and the Urban Foresters project working with us in developing that program. And like I said, we got this grant from Solar Commons um, to move forward on that. So it's all really exciting stuff. We also just recently got a grant from the Southwestern Foundation to help us through the process of application to put the entire structure on the National Register of Historic Spaces. This side is the the original 1918 side is on the register but when that process was done the John Spring side was too young Mm -hmm. and now it's been 30 years so it's old enough now or yeah 20-30 years it's old enough now so by spring hopefully we will have both both structures on the historic register and that'll allow us to apply for grants and historic preservation activities. So we're positioning ourselves really to gain some money and resources to to move this thing forward. And then so that's our garden over here and then the playground structure. And so to have all of this space You know, the structure itself is, you know, somewhere between 50, to together, 52, to 55,000 square feet of space that can serve this, not just the community, but Southern Arizona in a big way. It's quite a responsibility. So let's go over to the John Green side. So here we have the john Springside.
0: you are listening to debbie chess maybe giving a tour of the dunbar pavilion on 30 minutes 91.3 kxci tucson she's the community impact fellow for the ua school of social and behavioral science focused on the development of the dunbar pavilion
1: now what we're about to see here is the commercial kitchen so here we have
0: our
1: kitchen yet another gym that is underutilized so we're looking at you know marketing this a little more aggressively we've had we've been in conversations with the yw they've got their foodie view program and so we're going to start you know talking to them about how they can utilize this kitchen food trucks um, that need commercial kitchen space to to Prepare food. When we did some redevelopment, when we had bond money over 10 years ago, this was one of the areas that they invested in. Um, and so we're, we're looking at it to be a revenue source for us to help sustain the operations for the entirety of the project, just one of the many ways. So this would have been the cafeteria area um, of the school. It is now. Um, we rent this space out. The Tucson Black Film Club actually shows its movies here on our little screen. What well, we want to eventually move over to the auditorium, and you'll see that. But but we show in here. We set these up um, theater style. The chairs, move the tables out and the chairs, and so we have a big screen that's over here on this side. And I love the involvement. I love the cross generational involvement. But it, being here has kind of helped me understand you know, take more a priority around some things, so Dunbar will umbrella the Tucson Black Film mm. Club so it's not its own little fledgling thing out there and we can leverage some of our resources to further support that, what little resources we have. On the Walls is a history of African Americans in Southern Arizona from 1539 to 2004. This panels, these panels were up at the convention center, and so they, they need updating to extend past 2004, but they're beautiful mm-hmm. kind of representation of who and what the black community was in Tucson. And so you see some of the pictures from the school, some of the pictures of students. You know, here you have, and then there is a picture of the school on the outside, so and then some of our black churches, our black social clubs, the Eureka Club. Um, drum corps and, and all of that, just a really thriving community that, that continues to exist here in Tucson. It's just kind of um, not as elevated, not as the stories aren't told um, as much as they used to be. And I think that's a, a function of people growing up and moving away and, and um, you know, the folks that have stayed here that share the stories, and so we want to create and an environment where those stories can continue okay. to be told and even new stories um, created. Uh, the Bro Brummel Club, which is about to be torn down if we don't save that space. Uh, yeah. It just really sickens me that our first reaction to development or development means tear it down. Mm-hmm. And I just don't get it. It's just interesting that in our psyche, in our narrative, that. Development and preservation seem to be at odds when, in fact, you would think that they're almost hand in hand if you want to preserve the integrity of a space um, of identity, of place making, and place building. And Tucson is one of those places that we really talk about cultural identity, right? Cultural, that we really tout that as one of the assets of what it is to live in this community, but yet we're tearing down. Are significant cultural heritage structures. It's just it, it that that's very. They speak. Those are two different, antithetical notions to me. So you know, with just a little creativity, and a little, yeah, just a little creativity to repurpose those structures or adaptive have a have, with a lens of adaptive reuse right. of those spaces. That's that to me. Is the foundation of creating a sense of place and a sense of belonging and a community that we, again, you know, Tucson loves to talk about. That's what we're about. We love to say that, you know. But whose uh, whose identity, whose heritage, whose culture, downtown only? And I, you know, my background—I have a master urban planning and policy and urban urban development—and so I've spent a lot of time around these issues of of place and space and Mm -hmm. how we (laughs) preserve place and space and the importance of that and it is not a common thought throughout the development world that growth and development means tear it down and so it seems of of a particular frame i guess you could say in tucson Mm -hmm. that that is of interest to me that in a place that is so rich in culture so rich 45 minutes from the border and, you know, a rich history of African Americans and such a, a really, really diverse native population and yet we want to tear that down, we want to deconstruct that, which is what we're saying we're about. At what point are we going to stop ourselves? I hope we stop ourselves soon, quickly, before it's, it's gone. So all of these spaces are kind of um, revenue generation opportunities for us. Um, Let me show you the auditorium. Some of you may have been in this auditorium before. And I have to say, if, if people know what the Dunbar is, they know it for three things. They know it for Barbia's Dance program, they know it from the Barber Academy, and they know it from renting space here in the auditorium, and they've been to an event in, in the auditorium. This is, yeah, this space is, and they just had a wedding oh, yeah. over Christmas, the, the, so the stuff from the wedding is still up, and they, the people that rented it came and showed us the pictures of what they transformed this place. I mean, the ways in which people who rent this space have transformed it into, I mean, we've done quinceaneras and bat mitzvahs and 50th wedding anniversaries and dance parties. I mean, you name it. And the, the space just transforms to each of those things. We've got a lighting booth up there they do Terry, our property manager, and our, the person that does the Tucson Slide Society. Which if you've never, if you haven't done Tucson Slide, you have to do slides, so i guess we're known for four things it's awesome so he he does the sound and lighting and and all of that for events for people and um for the slide society so this is the auditorium we're looking at transforming this to you know like taking the drapes down letting more light in shades you know it just needs freshened up Barbia does her some of her dance shows in here and all of her dance shows in here. The, these are four up here, I'm about to show you, four classrooms that are available to rent and have been redone. We rented a dollar a square foot, which is well below <laughs> market, well below market. But what you are investing in is you, you have a ground floor opportunity to help create this center because every dollar that you pay in rent here goes back into the building and building out the other spaces and, and actualizing the, the vision of this becoming a fully animated, high quality with all the technology, all of the accoutrement, all of the everything that a space needs to be to be a cultural center with access so to these, the entire community. So
0: these spaces, you're looking for long-term tenants? At least three years.
1: Okay. That are willing to sign a three-year lease. That gives us a steady income, a predictable income that we can do long-range planning, do long-range financial planning. We are marketing to um, Nonprofits, arts groups groups that are looking for long-term space so this is what it was Mm -hmm. and that's what it can be and so like i said every dollar that comes in as, as rental revenue goes right back into this building and building out these remaining spaces so we can just keep that cycle going and that's kind of a gift about being one of the early folks coming in, like you, you get to see it, you get to build it, you get to see it happening. And Talk <laughs> about all
0: the groundwork that people like Cress Lander did here in the early days. To yeah.
1: So Cress Lander was an African-American man, very prominent in this community, very well connected, very well respected. He was an alumni of the school and said that this was a huge part of his success, the Dunbar School and he refused to see it fall. And so he, folks from the Tucson Urban League, created the Dunbar Coalition that purchased this building. And how they purchased the building was it was slated to be torn down by TUSD. So they got an assessment of the price of what it would have been to to be torn down, and then the value of the building kind of came to a number that this is what it costs to tear it down, this is the value, let's say it was $5, we'll pay you $5 for it. And so the coalition bought it. And the coalition for the last 20-some years has been the volunteer group, that's been Cress Lander, that's been Barbara Lewis, that's been Shirley Hockett, that's been these folks that just pure love has kept these doors open has kept things running, again, all volunteer. You know, that works up into a point, point. and they have laid a beautiful foundation for the work that's to be done, and they're still a really important part of the work that continues to be done, done although Cress passed away three years ago. And so there's even more of a push to continue his legacy. Because they're seeing that many of them will not be around in the next 15, 20 years. And it's been already 15, 20 years of work that's gotten it this far. And so their dedication to, we want to see something happen in our lifetime after all these years of work. And so reading that report and saying, now's the time, if we don't do it, when, mm-hmm. you know, um, was, was a part of, of the urgency and moving forward, and just the, uh, the understanding, the deep, profound understanding of the importance of this place that transcends any data point, any piece of what's the economic impact, everybody wants to know the economic impact of any cultural endeavor, you know, I- anything that transcends, that, that they, the fact that they understand the importance and other folks in the community understand the importance of this facility, in Tucson um, has kind of been the wind and the sails of, of further development around it, so really my position is just on the shoulders of what they've already done, and my job is just to steward forward their vision, and it, it's, it really is a privilege to do it. it. It really is a privilege. You, I don't think in any other community I would find the, the level of love and respect, not just within the African community, but the larger community as a whole. Um, and I think that that is really what's going to, to move this forward, and Tucson is so unique for me in all my experiences of working in communities on Chicago and so on. This, this time, this place, this space is really, really, really
0: unique. We'll have to leave it there. You are listening to Debbie Chess maybe conducting a tour of the Dunbar Pavilion on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. She's a Community Impact Fellow for the U.A. School of Social and Behavioral Science focused on development of the Dunbar Pavilion. The Dunbar School was the first and only segregated school in Tucson established in 1912. Currently, many spaces are available to rent. More information is available at thedunbarproject.org. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. You can find this and other recent programs on the 30 Minutes program page at kxci.org.